we need for the day we're living in. Amen? And I know this thing's looking around, but here's the statement I keep making. Things, as you look at this life, aren't falling apart. They're falling in place. Amen? And God is working. God is moving. And I don't know about y'all. I'm glad to be a part of it. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles this morning, Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. I'm going to read a very uh, familiar passage of Scripture. For those of you that um, uh, maybe uh, attend church uh, regularly, you'll as soon as I start reading, you'll recognize this passage here. And uh, Jeremiah chapter chapter 18, as I was thinking about today being Phil O'Rose Sunday, I got to thinking about that thing about being filled. And the Lord kind of used that as far as being filled uh, to uh, lead me to this message. So Jeremiah chapter 18, as our custom is around here, if you're able to stand with me as I read the Scripture, so if you could stand please in reverence of the reading of the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 18, I'll read verses 1 through 6. Here's what the Bible says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. And let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for all you've done for us. I pray you'd bless us now. Meet with us, God. Lord, as I pray every Sunday, Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray today would be the day they accept you, Lord, before it's eternally too late. Those that are saved, God, as Christians, help us to allow the Word of God to change us and help us and make us better for you. We love you and we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I got to looking at this passage here. Of course, this passage, uh, God directed His Jeremiah, His prophet Jeremiah, uh, to the potter's house. Of course, that's a place where pottery is made at. And He sent him to the potter's house so He could teach him a lesson about uh, His nation, Israel. And of course, uh, that is the fact that they were the potter, God was the clay, and He was trying to shape them into what He wanted them for them to be. And I got to thinking about this idea of being a vessel. And then I looked up that word vessel. And I found a couple references to that in the New Testament as well. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, If a man therefore perch himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. And I got to thinking about this. You know, truth be told, God likens our lives as a vessel. So I brought a vessel with me this morning, and uh, it's actually a pottery vessel. Now, I had to coerce my wife into bringing this because this is her favorite dinner roll bowl. Amen? And so she threatened me with an inch of my life, do not break this, or you won't be getting any more yeast rolls. Okay? And no, she didn't really tell me that. All right? Uh, But I still don't want to break it because I like her yeast rolls. All right? But this is a pottery vessel. Now, those of you that know about pottery, know how pottery's made. All right, they'll get what's uh, what is just what just old normal clay. Of course, clay is a mixture from uh, earth material, and, and they get that to a point where it can be molded. And maybe you've been someplace like Spring Mill or someplace like that, and you see the old time pottery wheel. And you know what? They'll get that wheel of spinning, and then they'll they'll take that clay, and the potter's hands will start forming it. And you know what? They'll get that to the shape they want it. And then once they get it to that shape. Uh, 
then they will, uh, uh, maybe they're, they're going to bake it and they're going to make it hard. Then as, as, as this bowl was, they're going to put some kind of a coating on it, maybe some paint, and make it where it's a usable vessel. And let me, let me, let me liken this to our lives here this morning, okay? And here's the title of the message, and here's where I'm going with this. Here's the question, what's in your vessel? What's in your vessel? You see, this vessel right now doesn't have anything in it. Hopefully, sometime in the next couple of days, it's going to have yeast rolls in it. Amen? Right? But truth be told, vessels are made to contain things. This thing's not made just to sit on the shelf. Now, some pieces of pottery people put on the shelf. Alright? Maybe some are decorative. But truth be told, especially back in Bible days, these vessels were made for use. They were made to put things in. And so that's the question this morning. I'm going to put this down so I don't break it. Amen? All right? What's in your vessel? Now, you know what? Sometimes you can have some wrong things in your vessel. I remember one time a pastor friend of mine, he was working long hours, and man, he was just burning the candle at both ends in the middle. He was so tired that he went to the gas station, and he has a a brand new diesel truck. He was so tired that instead of putting diesel in it, he put gasoline in it, okay? You know what that meant? Wrong thing in the vessel, okay? Wrong thing in the vessel. By the way, it cost him a whole lot of money to get that fixed. You know why? Because, hey, he filled the vessel, he just put the wrong thing in the vessel, And let me say this this morning. There's some things the Bible says that God does not want in our vessels. Let me show you a few of those things this morning. First of all, the Bible says this in Psalms 123. He says, Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. For we are, listen to this, exceedingly filled with contempt. And then the next verse says this, Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. That word contempt means disrespect, shame. Scorning means derision, means scoffing. And you know what that tells us is this, God does not want your vessel full from the emotional hurts of others. From the emotional hurts of others. Now folks, listen, I'd love to tell you that nobody in this life is ever going to hurt you. I would love to tell you that, but guess what? That's just not reality. Amen? I'm going to tell you, as much as as we try to, as the Bible says, live peaceably with all men, there's going to be time to time where somebody may hurt you emotionally. And listen to me, when that happens, I'm not saying you're not going to face it. I'm not saying it's not going to hurt. But don't allow your vessel to get filled with that. Amen? The emotional hurts from others. Not only that, here's what else we see. Luke chapter 15 is the story, uh, the famous story Jesus told of the prodigal son. And of course, you know, that story. Uh, He left the father's house. He claimed his inheritance early. By the way, the father led him. Amen. It's a picture of the fact that God the Father is a good father. Hey, he doesn't make us do things as his children. He allows us to choose passive life. And that prodigal chose, the Bible says, to go to the far country. And you know what the Bible says he did there? He wasted his living or his substance in riotous living. Hey, he lived for himself. He did what he wanted to do. But guess what? There come a day where he had spent all. And the Bible says, this is where he found himself, and when he had fain had filled his belly with the husk, listen to this, that the swine did eat, no man gave unto him. I mean, listen, he got so desperate, he got so hungry, that all he had to eat and thought about eating was the food the pigs ate. Now, I don't know about y'all, I've never been that hungry before. Amen. I've never been that hungry. I mean, there, there may be some things that I don't necessarily like to eat. And by the way, if we go hungry in America for the most part, it's because we choose to. Right? Hey, if you didn't eat today, it's because you chose not to. 
It's not because it's not available. I've never been to the point in my life where I've been that hungry. Hey, here's the principle. Listen to me now. Uh, don't fill your vessel with the slop of the world. Don't fill your vessel with the slop of the world. By the way, guess what, folks? The Father has much better things for us than this world has to offer. By the way, when he went back to the father's house, you know what he got? Uh, he, the Bible says, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf, kill it, let us eat and be merry. Hey, you know what's in the father's house? You know what? The father's house has the best robe. The father's house has the ring. The father's house has the shoes. Hey, the father's house has the fatted calf. Amen? That's where it's all at. So hey, as, as, a, as a person, as a Christian particularly, don't fill your vessel with the slop of the world. Don't fill yourself with that stuff. It's not going to satisfy. Amen? So don't fill your vessel with the slop of the world. How about this? Don't fill your vessel with sorrow. The Bible says in John chapter 16, he, Jesus was talking to His disciples, but now I go my way to Him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither goest thou, but because I have said unto these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. And I understand, folks, there are in this life times of sorrow, and there's times where we experience sorrow, where we go through times of sorrow, but listen, don't allow your vessel to be filled with it. Amen? In fact, Jesus said this, or I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. He's talking about the death of a fellow Christian. He's saying, listen to me, hey, when you, when you have a fellow Christian that, 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 that dies, that passes away, listen, we don't sorrow as others which have no hope. Amen? Because let me tell you something, folks. When a Christian dies, it's not goodbye. You know what it is? See you later. Amen? That's all it is. And because of that, we don't have to have that sorrow that fills our vessel. And there's one more thing here I found in Scripture I want to show you that our vessel shouldn't be filled with. Acts chapter 5, verse 3, is the story of two people in the early church. Their names were Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, they were Christians. They were people who claimed the name of Jesus Christ. They were members in that first church there in Jerusalem. And uh, you know the story, if you understand where I'm at there in Acts chapter 5, they sold a piece of land and they, 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 they conspired amongst themselves to not give all of it, but to tell everybody they gave all of it for, for, for notoriety. So people would look at them and think they were something. And here's what the Bible says. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan, here it is, you ready, filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. And here's, here's what our vessel shouldn't be filled with, church, this morning is this, satanic lies. Don't allow your vessel to be filled with satanic lies. By the way, folks, the devil's number one tool is deception. That's his number one tool. The devil wants you to think things that aren't true at all. You say, well, how do I know what's true? How do I know if it's a lie? I'm glad you asked me this morning because I got an answer for that. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know how you know whether it's a lie or not? You ready for this? Amen? It's pretty simple. Uh, compare it to your Bible. Amen? What's the Word of God say? Oh, that old, that old book. It was just written by man. It's just filled with a bunch of contradictions. That's what the devil wants you to think. Amen? But the Bible says it's truth and that His Word is truth. By the way, you know that truth is absolute. Did you know that? Now, we're living in a world of relativism, which means truth is relative to what people think it is. 
I'm sorry, folks, but you can thank all you want, okay, that uh, the Statue of Liberty is not New York City. But guess what? That's just flat out wrong. You can thank it all you Well, I've never been to New York. I've never seen the Statue of Liberty. Therefore, I say the Statue of Liberty doesn't exist. Well, your ignorance of truth or deniance of truth does not change truth. By the way, listen to me. It doesn't matter what you believe. It only matters what the truth is. And there's a lot of sincere people who believe sincere lies of the devil. Amen? And listen, God does not want your vessel filled with satanic lies. So that's why every source of truth must be compared to the eternal, preserved Word of God. Now those were the negatives this morning. That's what what should not be in your vessel. That really wasn't even part of my message. Amen? That was just me getting warmed up. All right. Here's the message this morning. What is in your vessel? What does God want in your vessel? What does God want in? What's God want you to be filled with? Okay? Let me just give you a few biblical things here, alright? How about this? First and foremost, numero, numero, number one. Amen? God wants you filled with Himself. Filled with Himself. Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hey, listen to me, folks. Uh, uh, when God made you, He made you with the big vacuum inside. Amen? And that vacuum is going to be filled with something. And that's why people of this world do the things of this world to try to fill that vacuum. But there's only one thing that can satisfy that hole in your heart. And that's a personal relationship with God Himself. I'm not talking about religion this morning. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf. I'm not talking about trying to live the best life that you can. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the anything and the everything the world tries to do to impress God. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about drinking of the water and eating of the bread of life. I'm talking about asking God to fill your hungry and thirsting soul with the only thing that can satisfy, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? It's called what we... Well, 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 well you've, you've heard the term before. It's called being saved. Amen? It's called, in John chapter 3, being born again. And what it means is, is that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary to pay for your sins. Amen? You want to feel that emptiness in your life? i got good news for you. You can. But it can only be done one way. And that's by letting God cleanse you from your sin, trusting in Him as your personal Savior. Here in just a few moments at the end of the message, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, explain that in, in, in very minute detail and give you an opportunity to accept that into your life. But let me say this, folks. Once you get saved, that's not the end of the thing. That's just the beginning. Amen? Listen, folks, here's what I tell our church all the time. It's not just about the destination, although, praise God, you can get that settled. It's about the journey. And once you accept Christ as Savior, the journey of the Christian life begins. And by the way, praise God that Jesus will never leave you one time once you accept Him in your life. He won't leave you here just to figure it out on your own. He won't leave you here to just to try to stumble around in the dark. Hey, the Bible says He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? Now, even though He'll fill you up and He'll never leave you, you know there's still times in the Christian life where you need a spiritual fill-up, right? 
I mean, come on. If your car runs low on fuel, like my big truck does very often because it only gets 10 miles a gallon, amen, right? Listen, you don't drive it to a junkyard. You don't go out and buy a brand new truck with a full tank of gas. No, you know what you do? You take it to the filling station and you get the fuel that you need. And there's things in our spiritual lives we need to fill up in. Amen? Praise God as Christians, we're going to one day end up in heaven. But listen, folks, I just don't want to end up in heaven. I want to enjoy the journey along the way. Amen? And God wants you to enjoy it as well. So not only does He want you filled with Himself, number two, He wants you filled with joy. He wants you filled with joy. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Hey, it didn't say just that you might have a little bit of joy. You might have partial joy. Hey, He wants your joy tank filled all the way up. Amen? John 16, verse 24, Herein too have you asked nothing of my name, and you shall receive it, that your joy may be full. First John 1, 4, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. What is joy, by the way? Well, I'll tell you this, joy is different from happiness. That word happiness, uh, just think about that word for a minute. Happiness. You know what that word comes from? It comes from the root word happenings. It means something stimulated that brings some kind of happenings in your life. Now, I don't know about y'all, I do like being happy, don't get me wrong, amen? I mean, especially when I eat those yeast rolls I was telling you about, that makes me happy, all right? I like being happy, but truth be told, folks, when my happenings in life aren't going the way I think they should, I can still have joy. Here's the problem with happiness. Because it's determined by happenings, sometimes there's going to be times where your happenings aren't too pleasant. I don't know about y'all, but I hate it when somebody I know and somebody I love hears that C word. I hate that. There, there, listen, there, there's no happiness in that happening. I hate it when, when someone I know, uh, uh, especially someone that's close to you, when, when, when they die. I hate it when there's financial problems, personal problems, and on and on the list could go. So how in the world with all these bad happenings can I still keep a smile on my face? I'll tell you why, folks. Because God wants you filled with joy. Amen? And by the way, joy isn't because of the outside happenings. Joy is something that only relationship with God can give. And that joy is a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know why a lot of Christians aren't filled with joy? Because instead of their lives being filled with the things the Bible says to be filled with, they're filling it with things like sin, worry, rebellion, their own will, their own desires. And by the way, all that, when that vessel's full of that stuff, there ain't no room for joy. The more you yield yourself to God, the more you, the joy you will experience. Amen. And by the way, God wants to fill you to the brim with it. So God wants you to, your vessel filled with Himself. He wants your vessel filled with joy. How about this? This ought to go without saying. We're in church this morning. Amen. He wants your vessel filled with faith. Filled with faith. See the banner behind me? That's our theme for the year. We've been preaching a lot about it, about victory, about overcoming, about faith. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. You see, folks, faith it seems to be one of those mysterious words in the Bible that some people talk about, but I'm afraid too few people know the true meaning of faith. What is faith? Well, I'll tell you what faith is not. Faith isn't a feeling. Faith isn't something you can close your eyes and, oh, I'm going to have faith. Oh, I'm going to have faith. And you can just, boom, faith appears in your heart. 
Faith isn't some strange spiritual thing deep down inside of your soul. Let me tell you what faith is. Church, you know this because I've been preaching on it. Faith is simply you obeying the Bible and expecting God to keep His Word. Amen? Just obedience. That's what faith is. Faith is, guess what? When you come to church, when you feel like staying home and don't seeing anybody. Amen? That's faith. Faith is when you trust in God, even the circumstances in life seem to be spiraling out of control. Faith is when God isn't your fail-safe, God isn't your last resort, but God is your only option. Amen? Faith is simply finding out what the Bible says about any subject and with childlike trust doing exactly what it says. And by the way, God wants us full of that. Amen? God wants us full of that. So God wants you full of Himself. God wants you full of joy. God wants you filled with faith. Man, I wish I had time to go through and tell you all the things the Bible is talking about. God wants you filled with goodness in Romans 15, 14. God wants you filled with contentment in Philippians 4, 18. God wants you filled with mercy in James 3, 17. How about this? God wants you filled with His Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, 18. So many things we could talk about. But I want to leave you with one more thing. One more thing. What does God want my vessel filled with? How about this, folks? God wants you filled with assurance. Assurance. Listen to this verse here. Colossians 2.2 That their heart might be comforted, being knit together in love, unto all riches, listen to this, of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Hebrews 6.11, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Hebrews 10.22, Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hey, let me tell you what we have, folks. We don't have a hope so Christian life. We don't have a maybe so. You know what? We have a no so Christian life. A no so. You know that word no, just in the book of 1 John, it's mentioned 27 times. 27 times. Here's what I always say. If God says it's once, it's important because it's part of His Word. But if God repeats something, you know what He's saying? Hey, Christian, get what I'm saying. Amen? 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I talk to people all the time. Everywhere I go, I'm trying to talk to people about Christ. I talked to several people about Christ this week, handed out some gospel tracts. And here's what I say to them when I hand them a gospel tract. I said, hey, this is a gospel tract, and inside of it, it tells you how you can know 100% sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. A lot of people don't have that assurance, by the way. A lot of times I'll ask the question, hey, you know for sure you're going to heaven? Here's what they may say, well, I hope so. Listen to me, folks. Eternity is too long to gamble on a hope. Listen, I want to know for sure. By the way, you can. Amen? God wants you filled with full assurance. And I'm not just talking about assurance of your salvation. I'm talking about assurance that, guess what, folks? The Christian life is the best life to live. And by the way, it is the best life to live. Amen? It's not problem-free. In fact, truth be told, come on, I, I, I've told some of you this. Uh, we've had conversations about this. Those of you that have been saved recently, here's what I say to you. I said, listen to me. When you first get saved, expect the devil to bring it hard because he's trying to get you off track right away. And a lot of times, listen folks, listen, this lie that the Christian life is just, just, you know, a skip through a park, you know, God's your genie, anything you demand God to give you, He will, that is a satanic lie that we were talking about earlier. 
Now praise God, He's there to help us. And He's a good God. And by the way, He hears prayer. He answers prayer. Amen. I'm thankful for those things. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. Sometimes the Christian life is just difficult. Sometimes it's just it's hard. But I'm going to say this. Even though it's difficult, even though it's hard, we can be assured that it's the right life to live. Amen. Why? Because a hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is what we've done with Jesus Christ. That's all that's going to matter, folks. Listen, hey, a hundred years from now, it ain't going to matter what kind of vehicle you rode up in the lot in today. It ain't going to matter. A hundred years from now, it ain't going to matter how many toys are in your garage at home, guys. It ain't going to matter. I mean, as much as I like having my, my place filled with, with firearms and guns, I like that stuff, it ain't going to matter a hundred years from now. You know what's going to matter? What I've done with Jesus Christ. And the full assurance that I've lived my life in such a way that pleases Him. You say, how do you know if you're pleasing God? Very simply, am I living according to the Word of God? Because listen folks, God never contradicts His Word. Ever. Ever. Let me say that again. God never contradicts His Word. And by because I have full assurance in what God says in His Word, I can have full assurance to live this Christian life. Amen? Now how about it this morning? Alright, we talked about being filled with God. And I want to go back to this because I want to take the last few minutes of the message and really, really hope you understand this this morning. Listen, have your heart open while I'm about ready to say. Amen? Listen to me, folks. Let me ask you the question. What I ask everybody. Do you know 100% sure that when you die, heaven's going to be your home? Do you know that for sure? Sometimes I'll ask this question. If, if God were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would your answer be? That's a pretty direct question, by the way. By the way, there's only one right answer to that. Sometimes I'll ask people that and they'll say, well, um, you know, I, I go to church. Hey, I'm glad you go to church, but guess what? Going to church ain't going to get you to heaven. Some people may say, hey, well, I've been baptized. Last week I was talking about that. And um, and uh, sitting right up here uh, was um, uh, was uh, uh, Melinda and her husband and uh, who, who Frank had been bringing. And uh, you know what? He heard me say that last week, and he went home uh, that, that afternoon and started talking to his wife about it and realizing, hey, you know what? I, I've, I've just been baptized. I've never really trusted Christ as my Savior. Amen? And he got saved last Sunday afternoon. Amen? Listen, folks, I'm all about baptism. We're going to have it here in a couple weeks. All right? We're going to have it. Alright, but listen folks, it's not a matter of just being baptized. It's not a matter of belonging to a church. Listen, God's not going to say, man, you were faithful to church, so go ahead and come on in. No, you know what determines whether or not we're allowed to go to heaven? Again, what I said earlier, what have you done with Jesus Christ? Has there been that time in your life where you've been born again? Now why does God use that term? Because it's very specific. For example, all right, the reason I'm talking to you this morning is because on April 26, 1980, all right, my parents were blessed with a bundle of joy. Amen? All right? All right? Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, no, uh, I was born onto this earth uh, uh, 42, uh, 42 and a half years ago, April 26, 1980, at the Greene County Hospital up in Linton, Indiana. And that's why I'm here today, because I had a physical birth. Let me tell you why you'll be in heaven one of these days if you're there. It's because you had a second birth. Second birth. What's that mean? Here's what it simply means. Very, very simply. Number one, understand your sinful condition. The Bible says, Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 10, As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, folks, mankind, we have a problem. It's called a sin problem. Amen? And you know what? You didn't choose to be a sinner. You were born a sinner. 
That's why my wife and I, four children, and you know what? Not one time have I ever had a teaching to be bad. Not one time. You say, why? Because they take after their mother, that's why. Amen? <laughs> no, just kidding. I will say that. She's kind of looking at me. Uh, <laughs> now listen, hey, because they were born into sin, just like all of us are born into sin, amen? And you know what? Because of our sin, folks, we have a problem. Because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Do you realize, come on, let me, let me give you a biblical reality check this morning, okay? You don't have to do anything to go to hell. Do you realize that? You realize people as, as human beings, because of our sinful condition, according to the Bible, we are born on the road to hell. And if you don't want to go there, you've got to exit off the road, amen? And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. So you must realize, number one, your sinful condition. Number two, because of our sinful condition, the penalty of that is death and hell. For the wages of sin is death. Amen? And that word death doesn't just mean physical death, although that's part of it. It's what the Bible refers to as the second death in a real place called the lake of fire. I don't bet y'all, I don't want any part of that. Amen? Listen, hell is not going to be a place where everybody's partying with the devil. That is not what it's going to be. In fact, the Bible describes for us in great detail what it's going to be. Amen? A place of outer darkness. A place of gnashing of teeth. A place where the worm dieth not and the fire's not quenched. I don't want no part of that. But you know what? Because of my sin, I deserve it. Kind of like if you go out here, I use this illustration all the time because it's been near and dear to my heart. Amen? Right? Hey, if you get, if you get caught speeding down Highway 41, okay, guess what? You know what's going to happen? You're going to get a ticket. Amen? And you know what, uh, uh, why that is? Because it's a penalty for speeding. Okay? But it makes sense to us, doesn't it? There's a law, we broke the law, there's a penalty for it. Well, guess what, folks? Same the way it is with God. Because we're sinners, there's a penalty for it, and that penalty is death and hell. Now, I know it's been bad news so far, right? Sin, death, and hell. Well, aren't you glad for what the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Let me tell you something, folks. Listen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me tell you why Jesus Christ came to this earth, folks. It wasn't just to be a good teacher, although He was. It wasn't just to work miracles, although He did. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? And Jesus Christ came and He died that horrible, horrible death. And it wasn't just a crucifixion He suffered, folks. He suffered in the garden. He suffered at the hand of that that Roman whip. He suffered as they beat that crown of thorns at His head and they plucked His beard and they stripped Him of His garments. And He suffered and He suffered and He suffered. You know why? Because God loves us. That's why. By the way, the Bible doesn't say in that why were we yet perfect, Christ died for us. In that why were we yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was virgin born. He lived a perfect sinless life. And He died on Calvary. You know why? To save you and me from our sin. Amen? And that's why Jesus Christ died. And then three days later, He didn't stay dead. Amen? Hell couldn't hold Him. Death couldn't stop Him. Up from the grave He arose with the mighty triumph for His foes. Three days later, He rose from the grave. Why did He do that? Because He loves us. That's why. And you must believe, you must understand that He came and He died for you. He died for the sins of the whole world collectively, yes. But He died for you as an individual. He died for you as an individual. And the last thing you must understand to know that you're going to heaven is this. Listen to me. Here's where the rubber meets the road. You must choose to exercise your faith and put your faith in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. It's kind of like this. All right, here's the illustration I like using. All right. 
Let's say that you couldn't swim and you're out in a lake somewhere and you were drowning. Man, you've been up and you've been down. You've been up that third time. Man, this was just about it. You are just about done for and you were hauling for help and somebody came by in a boat and they threw you out a life buoy and that life buoy is right in front of you. What would you have to do to be safe from drowning? You know what you'd have to do? Grab onto the life buoy. You wouldn't say to yourself, I wonder if this life buoy is rated to hold my weight in this water. You wouldn't say that. I wonder if that boat captain had good motives when he threw me out that life buoy. I wonder if I'm going to have to uh, pay a fee for grabbing onto this life buoy. Are you kidding me? Listen, if you were drowning, you know what you'd do? You'd just simply grab on. Amen? Jesus Christ is the life buoy that God threw out to us as sinners. And all you got to do to be saved is grab on. Amen? You must choose to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us very simply how that's done. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I love the verse, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? You say, preacher, that's too easy. You better believe it's easy. Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a little child, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Listen, you don't have to work your way to heaven. You don't have to pay your way to heaven. You don't have to impress God with anything to go to heaven. You must simply, as the Bible says, call upon God in a matter of heart belief, realizing you're a sinner, ask Him to save you from your sin, believing that if you ask Him, He will. And you know what? He'll save you. In fact, when I got saved, September the 13th, 1989, I just celebrated my spiritual birthday a few weeks ago. You know what? I was a nine-year-old boy. Nine-year-old boy. And I remember coming home from church on a Wednesday night and uh, uh, my, my parents were talking to me and my brother about, about um, uh, whether or not we knew we were saved. Probably because my brother was so bad, they were talking to him about a sin. Amen. I'm sure that's what it was. But uh, no, they were, they were talking to us. And, and I remember my mom asking me, hey, have you been saved? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? And you know, I got real quiet. Because, hey, after all, my dad drove a church bus. Hey, after all, my dad taught children's church. Hey, after all, I went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Guess what? That's not salvation. Amen? And I remember that night, nine years old, bowing there in my living room as my mama took a Bible and she showed me how to be saved. And I remember that night, the drawing of the Father. I remember that night asking Christ to save me. I remember that night my sins being lifted away and Jesus Christ coming and living inside of me. Amen? I remember it like it was yesterday. And I want to ask you that question this morning. Do you, had you had that time in your life where you've accepted Christ as Savior? Well, you know, I, I think maybe, Pastor, I have. You know, uh, surely I am. I do this, I do that. Listen to me. It's not about what you've done. Listen to me. You must put your faith and trust in Christ and Him alone. And let me tell you something, folks. That's what God wants you filled with. He wants you filled with Himself. He wants you filled with His joy. He wants you uh, filled with, with, with assurance. And He wants you filled with the things of faith and what the Bible says. He wants you filled with those things. So where are you at this morning? What is your vessel full of? Let's, let's pray this morning. Everyone bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I don't want anyone to uh, uh, be looking around and see what everybody else is doing. I want to ask you personally this morning. You say, preacher, you were preaching. I felt something going on inside of me. Hey, you know what that's called? It's called the Holy Spirit of God. It's called conviction. It's called the Word of God working on your heart. Amen. That's why we, why we do what we do at White River Baptist Church. And you say, preacher, you were preaching about knowing for sure you're going to heaven. And preacher, I don't know that for sure. 
You know, I just, I just can't give you a Bible reason why I'm, not, I'm going to heaven. Maybe I haven't really thought about it before. Maybe I'm a young person. I don't really think a whole lot about death. And I just don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. If you're here this morning and you don't know for sure you're saved, would you just simply by signifying a raising of a hand so I could pray for you? Anybody like that here this morning that just doesn't know that they're saved? Anybody here like that this morning? Well, I take it from that that you all know everybody here knows that they're saved. I'm so thankful for that. Praise God. Listen, I'm not trying to get you to think that you're not. I just want to make sure that you are. Amen? But listen to me, if you're not, if you've got any doubt about that whatsoever, please, please, please talk to me about it. Amen? God has given you an opportunity. And by the way, we don't know when our time's up. We don't know. Hey, any of this could be an eternity by the day, by the time the day's over. We don't know that. Amen? So if you don't know for sure you're saved, as you're leaving today, would you please talk to me about it? If you are saved this morning, how about it, Christian? Hey, don't you want your vessel filled with the right kind of things? Hey, get the muck of the world out of your vessel, amen? Get the lies of the devil out of your vessel. Hey, get the sorrow, get all that junk out of your vessel and let God fill it up with the things that, that are right that will help you be a blessing to others, amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning.